delicate to, to not herm herm to not herm yeah to not to herm to or herm. to not to herm for sure to herm um ladies and gentlemen live from coast to coast we proudly present for your information with zach and john Fuck me gently with a chainsaw. Welcome to the For Your Information podcast, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best friends. We are your hosts, Zach. And I am John. Um, Gotta say, Heathers, the movie we're doing today, is uh, really just elitism, the movie. (laughs) How, How do you figure that? Just, uh, who is eating this much pate? Who is playing this much croquet? Who has a sculpture garden? And who has all this free time to just fake suicides? Agreed. And, like, that is the one, if I had one criticism of this, it's just, like, who has this much money in Ohio? Yeah, maybe that's a part of the satire, which is something that we'll talk at length about. Yeah, it's... (laughs) It's just, it's very interesting, like, I feel like a, um, to make some of that make more sense, I think, like, maybe a change of setting would have been better, like, if they would have just put this in LA, I think it would have been better, but then again, I guess Ohio works better as, like, a, uh, any town kind of thing, like, you know, Westerberg High could be any high school. Yeah, uh, Shoulder Pad High School, class of 1989. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus Christ, they probably sold out a fucking warehouse of goddamn shoulder pads God, could you imagine dude I, I i remember one time uh when i was in theater school i had to wear a jacket that had shoulder pads in it and i was like who the fuck would wear this why yeah. would you do this like because i have broad ass shoulders as is so like just putting shoulder pads on me made me look like andre the fucking giant like i don't know why i had shoulder pads it was yeah, man, era, I don't... it was era appropriate i will give them that however I look like I'm wearing shoulder pads anyway. So anyway, what were you going to say, John? That's really all I was going to say was it was such a thing for so long and it fits. Like when you look back at pictures and back at videos and even like full movies from like the 80s, late 70s, even into like the 90s, like it it works. Like whatever they were doing came together. It was a whole aesthetic. It was a whole aesthetic, but it, it was... <laughs> It, it was just, it's so extra. Like, I don't know if it's, like, the big hair, like, counterweights, the big shoulder pads. Like, I, I, I don't know how it works. I don't know. Whatever it is, it, it was fine for the time. But then seeing it in person out of context is just jarring. I guess it kind of fits in with, like, the whole, um, the 80s was about excess. Agreed. And maybe that's what this is all about. Maybe that's what this whole movie is. <laughs> Let's get right into it, then. Uh, firstly, John, had you ever heard of Heathers before I told you we were going to do this movie for the, uh, the podcast. Uh, what was your experience with Heather's beforehand? Um, I knew that it was an 80s movie. I knew that there was like a murder in it and uh, I, when I was watching it there was something familiar about the murder scene in the woods mm-hmm. and I don't know what it was about that that triggered me into like uh, like realizing it, like seeing it, recognizing it from somewhere. Maybe it was like a clip that I saw maybe it was like some top 10 YouTube videos or like top 10 weirdest movie scenes. You know, some Watch Mojo shit but like welcome to watch mojo yeah i knew it was a movie i knew it was a thing i didn't know anything about it okay so you went into this 
pretty much blind. Yeah, yeah. You, you had the minimum amount of knowledge. Um, did you like the movie? I did. I did not like it a lot, but it was worth watching. It was pretty long. It was uh, almost two hours. I want to say like an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, uh, the the script actually almost called for it to be about a three hour long movie. And uh, the studio said, uh, no, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's not Pulp Fiction. <laughs> oh man it's so weird to think that like this movie and pulp fiction are only separated by about six years i guess like i it's a similar aesthetic in a lot of ways like there's a lot going on that's different but like the, the, the looks are the same i don't know maybe it's the aspect ratio if you want to talk to me a little bit about <laughs> aspect ratio uh i have nothing in particular to talk about aspect ratio for this movie uh, it, the version I watched, because I actually don't own this movie, which I need to correct that because there's actually a new 4K release that came out about two years ago. Um, it's, uh, the, the rental I watched from uh, YouTube was full screen and that kind of pissed me off a little bit. I'm, I'm not sure if it was the correct aspect ratio, but I have nothing to give you about the aspect ratio here. What I can give you is a little bit of talk about satire, because I, I feel like, especially when I was uh, taking some film classes, a lot of people mistake satire for parody. And it's... Interesting. It, 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 it's alarming. But first, uh, John, what is your experience with satire? Do you, do, do you have a particular favorite satirical film? Are you, like, not entirely sure what you would call a satirical film? Um, sure. I do recognize satire when I see it. Um, I'm thinking, like, Dawn of the Dead is a great satire mm -hmm. film. Uh, you know, you see, like, they're in a mall, there's a bunch of zombies, like, mall shoppers are, like, zombies. That's, like a, like, a, like, a grand satire. That's, like, the whole expanse of the film is that people are like zombies. The c consumerism is turning people into zombies, rather. Um, there are a few other ones, I guess. Horror is, a, like, like a, kind of a low-hanging fruit for this because a lot of them are just like that. Um... I'm trying to think of any others that aren't really horror-related. That, that's just me, though. Like, I'm just about horror. That's just the thing that I do. Uh, but, yeah, I recognize it when I see it. A parody, of course, there's just, like, a bunch of low-hanging fruit examples for that one, too. I mean, like, uh, Scary Movie. The whole Scary Movie franchise is just parody. Right. And it's a, um, it's kind of on the low end of parody. Like, it's almost like a, uh, like a farce. Yeah, like a lowbrow parody. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of differences in the parody sub-genre, but, uh, mm -hmm. we're not really here to talk about that today um i'm gonna properly try and define satire and parody in my own words so a satire is uh some a work that takes real world subjects and exaggerates them to prove some sort of point or to make some sort of moral standing um and it can usually be in a humorous way but not always so like you could um like you said with dawn of the dead like that's kind of like a grand satire like it's not necessarily funny it's not played for laughs but then um things like uh heathers that we're talking about today could technically be you know you could go either way on it depending on how sensitive you are to the subject that it is trying uh -huh. to approach but a uh a better example of like a uh like a true like comedic satire would be um either idiocracy or this is spinal tap 
You know, of all the things I have and haven't seen, no experience with Spinal Tap. No ex- Oh man. Okay. I we'll know. Have- it's, it's such a bummer because every time I hear someone talk about it, I'm like, man, I gotta watch that. Like, I got, I got, I got to know more about Spinal Tap. That's right up my alley. And never done it. Never done it. All right. Well, it's added to the list. We'll do. We will come around to this is Spinal Tap at some point. Um, and so that leaves the question: What is a parody? And a parody is a work that is created to imitate an established work in a satirical or or ironic way. So uh, the best example of this, I've always said it, is Young Frankenstein. It is a perfect parody. Hmm. So these two actually can mix. And I think that's where some of the confusion comes from. So a parody can be satirical, but not all satires are parodies. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And an example of like where I think the two mix best would be Scream. Because it's parodying other horror movies, but it's a satire of the genre in general. Right. It's very slasher. And it is a slasher movie by definition, but it is a satire of slasher movies, even though it is also a legitimate slasher movie. Correct. And that that is a great movie. You've seen Scream, right? I have seen Scream, yeah. Okay, good. Thank God. That That's one of my favorite move like horror genre movies because i feel like it properly puts things on its head but anyway we're not here to talk about scream today we are here to talk about heathers and uh heathers typically falls into a um a genre called dark comedy that's what it's listed as on uh, imdb and um wikipedia and a uh, dark comedy is kind of like a like a catch-all kind of genre yeah. It's, you know, like, it would be like this, uh, throw mama from the train, like, that kind of thing. Like, something that's just, like, a very dark subject matter that's played for laughs. So, that begs the question, what is Heathers trying to say? Uh, John, do you have any ideas of what you think Heathers is trying to say? You know, I wish that I did. Uh, I wish I had a little bit more context going into it, just to know exactly what they were thinking when this happened. Um, or at mm-hmm. least what was going on in the world at the time. I know that uh, the 80s are generally regarded as a very superficial, like you said, extra kind of time where things were just really over the top all the time. You know, it was either super tight leather pants or it was like giant padded shoulder pads for your suit because people wore suit jackets all the time. And like none of this is inherently bad, but it does kind of contribute to a culture that um, I don't want to say is empty in its commercialism because there was rampant commercialism in the 80s there still is but even more so then or maybe even just more obviously then mm. and so much so that it sparked a literal parody genre of music called vaporwave <laughs> vaporwave <laughs> it's literally just based on this late 80s early 90s like putty colored electronics early web page commercialized mcdonald's ad pepsi thing that it has no substance it is just commercialism so I think it would have a little bit to do with that. I think it would have a little bit to do with like the thoughtlessness by which people were living and not really thinking about how their actions affect other people. Um, not in just that they are selfish, but that they're ignorant. I think what the movie's trying to say is, I think it has a little bit to do with what you were talking about, like, you know, like, rampant commercialism in the United States, but it also has to do with a lot of, like, violence that has to do with the 80s. Like, there's a lot of um, serial killer activity in particular in the 80s. And there's, you know, there was, like, a lot of violence, like, school shootings and, like, you know, people shooting up malls and things like that, kind of like it is today. But, you know, it was like the attention was really being brought on to these people for doing these things. And I think that's kind of what the movie is saying is that you know these girls suicides and like the jock suicides they're all being like you know put on this pedestal even though they're not 
great people, even though I don't think any of them in the movie particularly deserve to die. And I think that's also what the movie is saying, is that, you know, no matter how bad people are, they don't deserve to die. They definitely don't deserve to die in this way. And uh, JD represents, unfortunately, I feel like the counterculture of the time, which was like goth and like early emo. Uh, a lot of hardcore punk as well. That was big in the 80s. Yeah, so I think that he represents like the, um, what, what word am I trying to say? Like the anti-idealism and anti establishment movement that sure. when ta when taken too far could lead someone to being like well these people have to die so that we can be you know a good society again like it's it's right. a, he, go ahead sorry oh i was just saying he truly does want to watch the world burn that's really all it is yeah and he's he's definitely representative of like the underbelly society like because his ultimate goal is to fix society like he thinks that you know the heathers and like the cliques and all that kind of stuff, that's what's wrong with society. Mm -hmm. And I think that to amp it up, he, ha he thinks he has to kill them. Or he has to kill everyone to make a point to society. And that's, I guess that's where the satire is. And like, they play it up for laughs to keep it lighter, I think. I see that. I also think that a lot of this is looking for someone to blame. Because that's a lot of what JD does, is finding someone to blame for why things are the way that they are, and trying to take care of it. Um, in other parts, they're talking about, like, TV and violent video games. Like, uh, that that was a big thing then, too. Because you started mm -hmm. to get, like, video games for adults. Like, in the late 80s and early 90s, you know, like, Doom came out, and, like, weird stuff... That's, not the doom is weird, but at the time, weird stuff like that. Uh, that people really wanted a pin for this type of thing. Uh, they talk about big fun and uh, teenage suicide, like this popular song that they are really, really pegging for putting the idea of committing suicide into the teens' heads. But, like, we know now, looking back on it, that that is not really a legitimate way to address a problem. And it's kind of untrue. Right. You can't, you can't just blame violent TV shows. You can't blame, you know, violent TV. Because ultimately, like, you know, how can you say that, you know, a million other people watched this, never killed anybody, this one person happened to watch this movie and then they killed a bunch of people like it, it doesn't make sense it doesn't correlate it really doesn't um and of course easy to say now you know uh almost 30 plus years after the fact that that's ridiculous in the 90s it wasn't like that or the, the world was a smaller place and so when you see mm -hmm. something that weird and you can't just hop on the internet and see 10 things that are way weirder then like okay that that's like an easier train of thought to believe in correct and so, you know, just to kind of, like, you know, squash the whole debate here, it's like, it, th that's really what I feel like the satire is going for. And I, it, the cool thing about satire is that you can kind of get whatever you want out of it. It's just unfortunate when I think that people watch movies like this, especially people in uh, 1989 who kind of uh, dismissed this movie as a filth and garbage. Right. I think that if you lose sight of what the movie is trying to do, then you, you've you pretty much lost the whole movie. Like, you might as well not even watch it. Like, if you're not getting it, then I don't know how to help you. Right, right. So, if you know a movie is a satire going in, try and keep that in mind. Try and keep in mind what the movie's trying to say. You should do that with any movie. But, for that matter, uh, police yourself on social media, too. Like, not everything is real, and not everything was even remotely intended to be real. Yeah, um, stop, please stop spreading the, I hate this term, I absolutely do, but, like, fake news. Like, just, just stop. <laughs> if I just see one more person- Don't be on Facebook. 
Yeah, just unplug yourself completely. Just except live for us. in the mountains. Yeah, except for us. Like you have a uh, have an iPod Touch that you go to the library to download our episodes every week. Download it, listen to it, and delete it immediately. But other than that, unplug completely. Gotta stay safe. Gotta stay away from the disinformation generation. I I wholeheartedly do not agree with that statement. (laughs) (laughs) I I wholeheartedly reject this idea that we, we are in a disinformation nation. It's just some people are fucking morons. That's all it is. And most of them are old as shit. So it doesn't matter anyway. Nothing matters. Time is time is meaningless. Uh, do cocaine. Do heroin. Who cares? Hey, um, diet anyway. cokeheads was a new term that I was introduced to from this movie. Diet cokeheads. Jeez diet Christ. cokeheads. It's so very. Um. Anyway, it's very very eighties. <laughs> it's so very eighties. I, I, every time I watch this movie, I forget about that term so very, and like I I, I keep waiting for the rest of the sentence, and then it never comes. <laughs> Right, it's a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. cliffhanger. Anyway, so okay, maybe maybe I went a little overboard. Don't do cocaine. Don't do heroin. Just just drink. Drink cocktails. Mm. And uh, we actually have a great one for you this week, and I'm going to turn it over to John to tell you all about it. All right. Um, I got something a little different today. Uh, this is a little more closely related to the movie than some of the other cocktails we've been doing recently have been. Um, and this one's going to be a flaming cocktail. Flaming. Flaming. Flaming cocktail. I, I know that sounds like a... What's the term they use in the movie? Uh, a homosexual artifact. But uh, <laughs> it's not, uh, necessarily. Unless unless you want it to be. And then you can totally let it be. I, I know flaming cocktail sounds kind of flamboyant, but it, it doesn't have to be. <laughs> Jesus Christ, John. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so this cocktail is called the Remington Trash Can. And so if you remember the scene from the movie where they're at the frat party and like all this just dumb shit starts happening and she's drinking out of this glass beer mug because apparently that was the thing in the 80s. I feel like every time I watch an 80s movie, there is someone drinking out of one of these glass beer mugs. Um, it's, it's just everywhere. But she's drinking from it and it gets set on fire. So I don't know what that is about. I don't know if they were just trying to pass off setting a beer on fire like that's possible, or if they mean to imply that she was drinking something a lot harder and didn't know it. But it, let, let me tell you right now, if you're drinking something that is actually flammable, you will know that you are drinking something flammable. <laughs> so, so, wait, hold on. Are, is alcohol not flammable? I was under the impression that alcohol is flammable. Alcohol absolutely is flammable, but if you're drinking straight 100 proof hard liquor, you're gonna know that you're drinking it. If you're drinking 151 proof rum, you're gonna know that you're drinking it. If you're drinking absinthe, you're gonna know that you're drinking it. Okay, I see what you're saying. So if you cannot taste pure hard liquor, you need to consult someone. Absolutely. Uh, And you know what? Maybe you have a taste disorder, but it's not even a taste thing. It's an evaporation thing. It will just fill your nasal passages with alcohol vapor. Correct. And you'll know it burns. It it doesn't even have to smell like anything. And that was one thing, like, I I don't mean to rant before I give you the cocktail recipe because this is not a part of it at all. But I was, like, in high school, I think. Maybe I was a senior. And I was talking to someone, and they were worried about the possibility of someone spiking their drink with vodka at a school function. 
and them being like vulnerable to having bad things happen to them and like that's a legitimate concern people do spike drinks and it's terrible anybody who does that is absolutely disgusting but if someone put enough vodka in your drink to incapacitate you you would fucking know you would absolutely know it if someone put that much hard liquor into a drink you at that point you're basically just drinking straight hard liquor which is not and, a bad thing no but it definitely doesn't taste like uh high school punch correct like it uh, it does not taste like uh shirley's mom's uh, famous homemade punch it definitely tastes like especially because definitely. they're high schoolers exactly they, they probably don't know how to mix the drinks properly so it, i mean i remember the few times i did drink in high school like it tasted fucking horrible because people don't know how to mix it it's like oh yeah well we're uh, this is like a one-time thing like we don't do this very often so we might as well put as much alcohol in this as possible and they just don't care about taste high schoolers don't care about how things taste no of course not that's a utilitarian thing i mean if you just don't have it available you got to make the most of it while you have it which is dangerous don't drink if you're underage i would never advocate that and you're right but you knew it it's not like it was an accident that you drank half a bottle of vodka no it is not and i have done that before in one night and it was not good don't do yeah, that don't don't do it that's bad so uh, without further ado let me get into this cocktail okay it's called the remington trash can because when they're at the party at remington university uh, that flaming beer glass goes straight out the window into a trash can setting it on fire i'm pretty sure i saw like frank synopsis just hanging out behind the trash can warming himself with lloyd kaufman yeah of course they're just chilling out around the trash can fire yeah <laughs> i, I so, want to uh, see that movie yes uh it's also colored blue because of course that is the way that the first murder takes place and i'm sure we'll touch on that here in a little bit so here's how you would make it so you're going to take two ounces of sauvignon blanc which is a white wine for those of you that are not into wine um one and a half ounces of blue curacao one and a half ounces of lemon juice a double strained that's important three quarter ounces of vodka a half ounce of cointreau or triple sec whatever and a half ounce of 151 proof rum that you're not actually going to include in the base cocktail so don't put that in don't put that into the shaker so you'll take all the other ingredients and you'll put them into the shaker with ice and you'll shake them long shake them hard you want it to dilute a little bit with the ice so feel free to put a healthy amount of ice in your cocktail shaker um then you're going to get what else but one of those glass beer mugs and you're going to fill it up with ice as well you, you want to leave like an inch maybe an inch and a half on the top because you're going to actually take one of those lemon husks from the lemon juice that you made and use that for something else. So take that glass full of ice, set it down, strain your ingredients into there, and it's gonna be a nice big blue cocktail. Cool, then you're gonna take that half a lemon and you're going to pour about a half ounce of 151 proof rum, like we said earlier, into this lemon husk and set it on the top of the ice. Then you're gonna light the 151 on fire and that is it. That is the Remington trash can. Beautiful, beautiful. Please um, make sure that you are in a safe place to set that cocktail on fire. Oh, because absolutely. I would not recommend anybody just do this at home. And, um, John, could you, uh, potentially give us the measurements if we wanted to, uh, say, mix this cocktail into an actual trash can and set it on fire? Uh, okay. So, I'm thinking that, like, uh, one of the beer mugs is about 16 ounces, but it's filled up with ice and that displaces... I I'm gonna go out on a limb and say half of the volume. So, this recipe yields about... I'm gonna say eight ounces after dilution and Correct. so then a regular trash can oh we're gonna go ahead and say your average kitchen trash can is a hundred no 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 it's 13 gallons and a gallon is 128 ounces so 128 ounces that half of that's a half gallon 64 eight times eight 64 so that's eight makes a half gallon so 16 of them make a whole gallon 16 times 13 is a fucking lot so you're gonna need a lot of these <laughs> to fill up a trash can and that's how good at math i am <laughs> 
a lot. You need a lot. <laughs> it it is a lot. You you will um you will need to do some maths. And if you're yes. not good at the maths, I do not want you setting a garbage can on fire with a bunch of alcohol in it. Uh, that's moves. how that's how California is constantly on fire. That yeah, and it yeah. is also hell. But <laughs> All of the above. I, I can confirm. <laughs> I can confirm. Is actual hell. Is All right. Hell. <laughs> well, thank you, John, for that lovely cocktail that probably does something to the ozone layer. We're not entirely sure, but um... no, of course not. <laughs> it's more like a Bunsen burner, really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for those of you that are wondering, you gotta take the lemon husk and plunge it down into the cocktail with a straw or a fork or something, because you don't just want to try to drink it with the lemon burning. Um. Yeah. You know what? No. No. I'm tired of it. If someone wants to eat something that is literally on fire, fucking let them. It, I, I'm over it. <laughs> for, for legal reasons, I cannot recommend you do this at home. And for you're a fucking moron reasons, you know what? You, you know how you get a kid to stop trying to want to touch the stove while it's on? Tell them to fucking lick it. Wow. Uh, 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 all right. Cool. Yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> let, let's move on. All right. <laughs> let's let's move on from these harsh burns and go into some uh, some some basic knowledge that you need to work with this movie. Um. So the movie was released in, on October first, nineteen eighty-eight in Italy, and then had a wide release on March thirty-first, nineteen eighty-nine. Don't know why found absolutely no information as to why it premiered in italy in october it didn't have a release until march 31st why italy i don't know uh, Just i think happened. they were trying to get ready for the uh international DiGiorno film awards the DiGiorno film awards what an awful thing can we can we have an award show that coincides with the academy awards but we just have it sponsored by DiGiorno. I think they'll go for it. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, it's gotta be in Italy just to offend the ever-loving shit out of the Italian people and everyone <laughs> that cares about their culture. Oh my god. I, so, I can't even imagine. It would be like uh, when they opened up Disney World in Paris. The, the Parisians were not, not very receptive to it at all. Anyway, I'm inserting Disney into this podcast again. You did, um, and I, I, I'm personally <laughs> offended. Good. It, it, it is literally just to piss you off 98% of the time. All right, so this film was distributed by New World Pictures, directed by Michael Lehman, who also directed Airheads, uh, written by Daniel Waters, who also wrote Batman Returns, and produced by Denise DeNovi, who was also a producer on Edward Scissorhands, uh, The Night Before Christmas, James and the Giant Peach, and A Walk to Remember. So she's uh, she's she's directed some classics here. Yeah, uh, a lot of them are pretty dark, too. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of them on a darker side. Uh, she had a pretty good thing going with um, Tim Burton. I'm not sure why that partnership ended, but it did. And so now we're here. <laughs> um, and, you know, Tim Burton is making fucking Alice in Wonderland 3, where it's literally just uh, they're trying to find the fucking Mad Hatter's penis because it went missing somewhere. It's probably Beautiful. the White Rabbit has it. And uh, I don't know. And so I don't think they know. I don't think they know why they make those movies. Is this China. like... A, That's uh, why. Like a cultural concessions thing, you know, like you have to do reparations over time. So, like, people have been taking rabbit feet as good luck charms for so long. Now the rabbit has the Mad Hatter's dick, like, as a good luck charm on his keychain. You you are you are putting far much more thought into this than I did. <laughs> I literally just was like, okay, uh, joke, Rolodex, uh, penis, throw penis in there. Um. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let's not talk about the socioeconomic history in Wonderland and how its uh, implications are 
affecting today's politics there. Jesus Christ. Um, the music by this was done by David Newman, who also did uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and is also the cousin of Randy Newman, who, uh, if you are unfamiliar, did the uh, theme song for Toy Story. So uh, you've got a... You've got a friend in me. Uh, he's got this, the writer of the music for this movie had a cousin in him. That sounds disgusting. Anyway. Um, that is terrible, and I can't <laughs> believe that you slid Disney in here again. <laughs> Just making dick and Disney jokes everywhere. Anyway. Ugh, um, Dickney. Dickney. <laughs> That's gotta exist somewhere. Don't look it up. Don't do it. Unplug yourself. Do heroin. Anyway. Um, right. I, I, kinda, I kinda hated the music in this movie. C- kinda like how we were talking about... Um, in uh, fuck what was that movie called uh planes trains and automobiles where it's ah. just it's so fucking 80s it's just it's disgusting right like, it's abysmally it, it's, 80s it abysmally 80s and it's like not even like played up very well it is just ugh. like you could yeah. put it you could put the music from this movie in a kmart and i wouldn't blink twice yeah, it was all very uh, Nightmare on Elm Street-esque to me. And I feel like Nightmare on Elm Street is one of the few films that really played that type of soundtrack in good effect. Yeah, everywhere else it's just like, oh man, we gotta we gotta sell these soundtracks. We can't just have people buying the singles, the, the singles or the, you know, the seven inches of like the theme song. We gotta right. make sure they're buying the full ass LP. So we gotta make it sound like everything else these fucking kids listen to. Right. Uh, we've also gotta keep Moog keyboards in business. Business, you know, we got to make sure people are buying synthesizers and uh, theremins and everything else that yeah. the '80s is known for. Support Fucking, um, uh, Support Wang Chung. Um, Wang Chung for president. Anyway, I um, can't believe that was said on this podcast. <laughs> we 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 are in full support of Wang Chung. Uh, Wang Chung 2020. Uh, make sure you Wang Chung tonight. Anyway, um, yes. This movie starred Winona Ryder as Veronica Sawyer. Who, uh, of course you know from Beetlejuice and Stranger Things. I adore Winona Ryder in every movie that she is in. Completely agreed. Winona Ryder, big 10 for a win. I love her. Um, I actually um, was in the same place as Winona Ryder at one point um, at Shaky Knees. Wait, Winona Ryder was just chilling at Shaky Knees and you were also at Shaky Knees. Which is not Music Midtown, come to find out. Last week, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Wait, Music Midtown wasn't last week. Uh, That's not until like... October-ish, because uh, Mike Cam oh. is actually headlining Music, Music Midtown uh, this year. I was saying that I uh, confused the two on last week's episode, and you corrected oh, okay. me very harshly. Yeah, no, they're, they are very different. But anyway, Winona Ryder and uh, the kid with the no teeth from Stranger Things were at Shaky Knees. Of course, they were backstage, so you couldn't see them, but um, later I saw an article that said that they were there, and I was like, oh, cool, so I was in the same place. That's awesome. Oh. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> uh, Christian Slater as JD. Uh, he was also in a movie called True Romance, which is the only film that Quentin Tarantino has written but not directed. Hmm. Um, Shannon Doherty as Heather Duke, who was uh, from who had a big stint on Little House on the Prairie and Beverly Hills 90210. Hmm. Um, Lisa Falk as Heather McNamara and Kim Walker as Heather Chandler. Um, who unfortunately passed away in 2001, and I have a weird tidbit that I'll tell you later about that. Mm, um, the teasers. The teasers. The teasers. You gotta wait to the end of the episode. Please don't just skip to the end of the episode. Yeah, um, please don't. <laughs> please listen to our bullshit. Um, we need you. We love you. Um, the budget for this movie was $3 million, and the box office was $1.1 million. Yeah, kind so, of a flop. Um, yeah, pretty big flop. Um, I think it made its money back in VHS releases, because this came 
this movie became somewhat of a cult classic mm-hmm. and it um yeah that's pretty much all i have to say about that it's it's definitely a cult classic like it's definitely like a in the know kind of thing like this isn't a movie that you would see like on tbs any given sunday right right i'm still kind of fucked up about avatar i know i'm going off on a tangent here because i'll take any opportunity to just shit on avatar but like please how the fuck did avatar do as well as it did and this movie lost like three times it's like it's literally a third of the budget lost at the box office subject matter the budget it's um I guess subject matter, I guess... Um, space Ahanas. That's all it is, Space Ahanas. It is definitely just Space Ahanas, and um, I, I'm I'm appalled that there are now three sequels to Avatar currently in production. But none of them are here. How long? How long must we wait for this bullshit? Um, I actually, I don't think I've seen Avatar all the way through. Like, I got pretty annoyed with it and turned it off. It's just like... Uh, uh, James why? Cameron is not my favorite. James Cameron is not my favorite. Um, he He's, he's definitely like a visual person like he likes to create like these big visual landscapes like the titanic like this like terminator 2 judgment day that's actually a pretty good movie but um he and my personal view is that if you want to make a pretty landscape for people to look at fucking paint it or you know do a document don't do this don't make me watch a narrative thing where you just like jizz your like fucking setting porn all over to my face like i don't want to watch that yeah no one wants to watch people link up their weird feely nerve penis hair things together too they also put those things into the animals which is disgusting i did not know about that and now when i go to disney world later this year i'm gonna make sure to skip avatar land because i don't i don't support all right enough about avatar a movie that i hate let's talk about a movie that I love and that's Heathers and uh for those of you unindoctrinated Heathers I think it would be nice to give you a little synopsis so that you can know what we're talking about and for a synopsis we can't have anybody other than our good friend Frank Synopsis welcome in buddy hey hey it's always good to be back here on the podcast yep uh probably getting out of the cold oh know. yeah I just w- rolled into town from an art show fun fact oh you you went to an art show uh what, what, what were you doing there well I was uh they're looking at some kind of a exhibit featuring sexually perverse photography with tennis rackets i i think it it, it wasn't completely clear what was going on oh okay um please elaborate (laughs) i'd rather not if that's okay were there were there like tennis rackets coming out of assholes or something like let me just say uh wimbledon Uh, uh, mm, okay (laughs) so frank why don't you tell me about heathers of course, of course. Veronica Sawyer is the newest pledge of the most popular clique at Westerberg High, the Heather. Made up of Heather Duke, Heather McNamara, and Heather Chandler. Betty White is a vivacious 66 years old in this movie. A new boy named JD shoots blank bullets at two jocks and catches the eye of Veronica. They quickly become an item and turn deadly when JD convinces Veronica to kill Heather Chandler after she embarrasses her at a frat party. They set out on a murder spree of the popular kids and write suicide notes for each one of them. Beautiful. Thank you very much for your time, Frank. Um, please grab a goodie bag on your way out. Um, shake hands with our doorman and uh you know maybe wash up before you come here i'm I'm not sure what those stains on your jacket are from but i can't help but thinking you were thinking a little bit too hard about tennis rackets well uh there was something that flew out of a window into a trash can and uh, got on me and it was on fire uh it was very warm i liked that but i did not like how on fire i was Okay, I, I think John might have done that for a dramatic effect. Uh, I'll have to talk to him about that and tell him that he cannot just throw flaming objects outside of windows. All right, thank you, Frank. Uh, back to Central Park you go. On the bus. On the bus. All righty. John, are you back? Yeah, Um. you got this, like, cool movie prop here, this uh, this cult python. I, I don't know if you got it from this 
movie because it is in this movie but or if you got it from the other movie we did but like cool this is like super real dude uh, uh J john john um I, that is not a prop i would not touch that i think that's frank's um i definitely suggest not getting your fingerprints on it, it was like it smells like snakes um uh, yeah we're, we're working on a new invention now anyway put that put that <laughs> all right um let's get right into some production notes from this movie some things that i just found interesting maybe give you guys some insight into the uh you know what goes on like how does a movie become a movie and uh for this one it starts with one writer named daniel waters who wrote this particular screenplay wanting stanley kubrick to direct okay so now we're looking at like a pulp fiction type movie if we could get stanley kubrick on board with it right and like i said in the beginning uh, the original script for this movie called for it to be about a three hour long movie and that sounds um, about right stanley kubrick uh i think just didn't want to do the movie or maybe it never made it to him because uh, about a, like a year or so went by i think he wrote this uh, screenplay in about 1986. Okay, okay. So it didn't get shelved for too long. It, no, it wasn't like permanently shelved, it, but it did eventually find a director in Michael Lehman, who um <laughs> shot down some of the uh, weirder ideas that were in the original script. Okay, uh, I'm really interested to know what ideas were too weird to make it into the final script. Um, Well, namely, the original, original ending of the film had Veronica shooting JD and then not being able to live with herself doing it, reset the bomb up and blew up the school and then the ending of the film was some sort of surreal prom in heaven. Like, therefore, you know, I guess giving fact to the um, thing that JD says at the end of the movie where he's like all the clicks and all these um, other people can only get along in heaven huh. so and I guess that would have been like a more ultimate satire ending to the film than what we got but uh, I think what we got is definitely more marketable for I sure I think so too yeah, uh, a dark. Uh, again, with with the shooting people, uh, there's a bomb vest in here. Uh, J JD, uh, spoiler alert, JD blows himself up with a bomb vest, uh, which he's wearing under a trench coat. Uh, a very uh, a Columbine before Columbine. It didn't age super well as a, as, as a feature in the movie. Absolutely not. Uh, and I think that's what kept this movie from really, um, you know, being more celebrated than it is. Because it, it just, time and time again, it, it, it proves itself correct. Yeah, people do this and they have reasons and they have manifestos and uh, eight-inch barrel cult pythons. Uh, really not sure how that happened. Uh, it's just, I, I'm obsessed now at finding this <laughs> particular gun in movies. I'm, I'm going back to Die Hard where we just talk about guns for half the podcast. Let's not do that here. Uh, we've got a lot to get through here um so the role of veronica was uh shopped to several different actresses who turned down including drew barrymore justine bateman and jennifer conley hmm. um drew barrymore drew barrymore as veronica sorry i could not see that i'm very glad that um that did not happen um winona Ryder was 16 at the time that she won this role she was hot off of beetlejuice and um she wanted to do this movie so badly but um Dave Lehman originally did not want her for this role because he did not think she was pretty enough, quote-unquote. So huh. uh, she wanted the part so badly, she went over a complete makeover, apparently at Macy's, which I I guess back in the 80s, you could get a big old uh, high school makeover at Macy's if yeah, you had the it, money, it if you had that Beetlejuice a, money. Yeah, it, it was a bigger deal then than it is now. Macy's used to be like the upscale place. Right. 
<laughs> you can find me any day at Macy's. Uh, I right. do not remember what movie that is from, but it is from a movie. Um, yeah. And then even after uh, they gave her the role, her agent literally got on her hands and knees, according to Winona, begging her not to do this movie because she said it would ruin her career. And I guess she was more or less right because uh, Winona Ryder kind of actually disappeared for a little bit until Stranger Things. Yeah, I'm interested to know like if she had any smaller things between then and now. I really should have spent a little bit more time looking up because I'm legitimately and personally interested in that because I really do appreciate her work. She's a very good actress. Like she, anytime she's in a movie, like I completely believe her, and she's just goddamn adorable. Like yeah, yeah she fits the parts that she does. Like she, I guess she wanted this, and that was good. Like I guess she had a good eye for something that she would fit for. Right, and knowing how to market yourself and knowing what is good for you is half the battle in this kind of industry. Yeah, not that I would know. No, I wouldn't either. I wish I did, but I did. Anyway, hmm. um, Brad Pitt also auditioned for JD, but he was turned down for being too nice looking. Like, like huh. A, he's just too nice of a person, and he's too nice look to be JD. Like, he doesn't have, like, that, you know, like, seedy look to him that I guess uh, Christian Slater has. Huh. I um, can see it. And, but one thing that I found interesting was Johnny Depp was also considered for JD, and I would have actually been really down with that. Right, so this would have been Johnny Depp out of um, Nightmare on Elm Street, to bring up Nightmare on Elm Street again. Yeah, or uh, 21 Jump Street, which was also very big at this time. A lot of streets with this guy in the East. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The streets <laughs> anyway, got you, fam. The streets got you. Um, justice for Johnny. All right, and uh, that's about all I found for pre-production. Uh, let's get into the filming. The principal mm. photography took place for about 33 days between July and August of 1988. And I think that that's mainly due to them using a bunch of high schools as the um, as the filming location. So they probably needed to do it between, you know, summer vacation. Right, you know, back in the good old days when school didn't start at the end of July. Right. Actually, here in Pennsylvania, they don't go back until almost damn near September. Good. That's the way God intended it when he made public schools. When you used to have to do summer vacation so you could help on the farm, and now it's just an excuse for kids to not be in school. Literally, to just sit at home and jack off the hentai. Because that's all high schoolers do now. Is it? Uh, high school has changed for the weirder. Um, speaking of um, high school filming locations, uh, Westerberg High is actually three different high schools. Or schools. Uh, huh. Covers Hill High, Verdugo Hills High, and John Adams Middle School. So these are California schools? Yes. This okay. was all This was all shot in California. Yeah, never seen them. Maybe next time I'm down in Los Angeles, maybe I'll uh, see if I can find them if they're still around and be weird and creep around and like a blacked out Lincoln, you know, and just like take pictures of the school and then get the police after me and get like a high speed chase down the 405, which is impossible because it's literally a fucking parking lot. It's terrible. Don't go there. Don't drive there. We're full. Go home. <laughs> we, we, we full. Go home. Um, I, I highly suggest not visiting these schools Um, uh, uninvited. I don't visit any school uninvited. Don't do that. Um, anyway, uh, a place that you could technically go if you wanted to that is also a filming location for this is uh, the Church of the Angels in Pasadonia, which is where all the funeral scenes were shot. It is also used in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, if you're into that. Classic. Uh, I, did we talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer recently? I feel like we did. Uh, I think we mentioned it in passing. Uh, we, we should we should cover that movie or do like a overall thing on the series because we do mention it in passing. And it's not something that I'm super duper familiar with, so I, I would love to delve into that because i'm sure i would love it um because it's, it's twilight that doesn't hurt me <laughs> it's twilight that doesn't hurt you jesus did are you um do you not like shiny things um no you know i'm not a bird i'm not like a rodent <laughs> so it's not really important to me fair enough 
I'm not Frank Synopsis. Frank Synopsis does love the shiny jingly keys. That's how I get him out of here half the time. Anyway. You just throw them out the door and he runs? Uh, I throw them out the window. (laughs) Ah, nice. Nice. Just like, um, uh, just like Veronica threw a drink. Hell yeah. Throw things out of windows. Life's short. Um... (laughs) <laughs> do harem. Um, Shannon Doherty was apparently a handful on set. Uh, producer Denobi stated that she didn't really get the script and it, and it ended up working so well because she made the character real. So I guess Shannon Doherty did not realize that this was a dark comedy because at the premiere she ran out crying because she felt like she played the character too serious and that she was going to look stupid. I, I get it. I really do. I I don't think like, th- technically that makes her a better actor. Like right. because that's her job in a dark comedy is for her to take it completely seriously and for like the main characters to not take it completely seriously. Or, or at least that's what happened here. Right. I think so. And I mean, I love her performance in this. I mean, she definitely comes off as like she does come off as real. Like I do agree with that statement. Like because I knew people like this in high school. Of course. Like, very superficial, like, very, you know, whatever. Like, definitely didn't deserve to die. No one deserves to die. No one deserves to be killed. Especially the way that they kill her in this, which is by uh, poisoning what? her. Drinking a, drinking a big cup of blue? What are you talking about, my cocktail? Uh, no, I'm not. But uh, yours is not filled with Drano. So that works. Uh, Drano will not um, fix your constipation, just so you know. Um, I beg to differ. Um, well, it, it, it'll solve a lot of things. It, actually, matter of fact, it'll solve everything. Drink a big cup of Drano and, uh, pretty much everything will be over. So if that's what you're going for, uh, please don't do that. Question. Do you think that there are people who are really afraid of shitting themselves when they die? So if they get in a situation where they feel like they might actually die, they intentionally constipate themselves? Um, I know. No, you don't <laughs> Would think, be the short answer something? for there. Um, I mean, unless you just, like, happen to keep, like, a whole wheel of cheese on you. And if you're in a situation where you think you're gonna die you just eat the whole wheel of cheese actually that's how i'm going out that sounds like a great idea you literally just described skyrim <laughs> i unintentionally described skyrim that is how <laughs> you skyrim jesus christ just carry around wheels of cheese and when you think you're gonna die eat as much as possible <laughs> <laughs> this movie was released to a lot of disgust and praise uh, some critics felt like the film glorified teen suicide and i think they are with sharon and sharon doherty where they uh they don't get it Mm -hmm. the man just doesn't get me man they just they don't get it you don't get me dad i'm dark and edgy and i have something to say you just see this as suicide his dad was the only person that actually got him in the entire movie Uh, did he though yes he shared his affinity for blowing people up that is true well, his father unintentionally blew his mother up. Or really her mother. His, mo- his mother blew herself up. Let's be honest here. I, sure. But they're the only people who have like a normal... I don't want to say they're the only people that have a normal relationship, but they kind of are. Like they have an organic relationship. Like Veronica and her parents are fine, but her parents are not like... They're a part of the satire. Yeah, they're stupid. They're, they're like oblivious to what's going on. And then when they're asked to have an opinion on it, it's very skewed and very much a... Uh, go away answer right and when that happened i was like dad oh god we got <laughs> oh, a lot to anyway. unpack here uh we're not unpacking that here um i i unpack that somewhere else uh once a month anyway um the movie was originally released on vhs and laserdisc in 1989 and this is kind of where it became a cult classic it kind of came like a like a movie like a blockbuster and i don't mean like a blockbuster like star wars is a blockbuster i mean blockbuster the store which if you are under the age of i'd say about mm, 21 you probably have no idea what the fuck i'm 
talking about. And in which case, hi kiddo, how you doing? Is school going well? Scary to think about. They probably know what Blockbuster is, but you know, like they don't have like an affinity for it. It might not like you know ring an automatic bell like it would for me and you. Um, I mean, you know, think about it. My brother turns 21 this year, and he was like a child when Blockbuster went out of business. Right. So for him, it's been all red box and digital. Yeah, but he remembers Blockbuster. But you're right, anyone younger than that probably doesn't have a real memory of Blockbuster unless they happen to be around one of the last ones that held out for a little while. Well, that, or I mean, like, you know, people are nostalgic for things, and when people are nostalgic for things, they talk about it. So, like, they they probably know what Blockbuster was. Like, they know that it existed, just like I know a Telegraph existed, but even I never used one. I know what what Morse code is. I've never had to use it. I don't like being a part of that. I don't... On the one hand, I feel ancient, and on the other hand, I don't feel like I've been around long enough to see the death of things like that. Well, I mean, we kind of witnessed the death of the video store. I mean, that... we, the we were there in the heyday. We were there in the heyday, and we were there to see it die. And, like, malls are kind of going in the same way. Like, yep, there's still malls. a few good malls around, but, like... Of course. God damn. Like, you go to a mall, like, uh... Oh, in a Gwinnett, Gwinnett Place Mall in uh, Duluth, Georgia, mm-hmm. is the most depressing place I've ever been to in my entire life. I think there's four stores in there, and there's a quote-unquote food court that just has a great wraps in it. What is it with great wraps? Great Raps will be there with, um, at the end of the world, at the apocalypse, with, uh, the, the Rolling Stones and the Twinkies. They're never gonna die. Exactly. Dude, Great Raps is great, though. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, we have a similar thing going on out here, like, you know, where, yes, we have a mall, yes, there are stores in it, but they're, it's slowly being, like, occupied by stores that never belonged in shopping malls, just because the malls are getting kind of desperate to rent space. Right, and that's what I think malls are gonna end up being. Like, they might become, like, a small business bazaar, which I think would be kind of cool. Like, uh, there's, there's one near me that has, like, a bunch, like, it has, like, a dance studio in it it has like a little pet store slash pet rescue place in it and it's also got a uh three dollar movie theater in there so like it has like older releases and like some newer releases but like mostly older like you can just go watch knocked up for three dollars on a random thursday Uh, i can't i i'm down with that and it also has a buffalo wild wings in it for some reason so extra hell yeah yeah of course i I can i I can go I can go see where all the cheerleaders ended up. Right. Uh, we could, like, we've seen the death of the mall. We've seen the death of the video store. We've seen the death of the landline phone. We've seen the death of the pager. We've seen the death of a lot of stuff, frankly. Like, when you really sit down and think about it. Right, because technology just kind of grew and grew and grew and grew. And, you know, like, some of those older things just weren't necessary anymore. Like, um, why go to Blockbuster and rent a movie for $5 when I could do that same shit at home? Right. Or, like, um, why go to a big-ass department store like a standalone Dillard's when I can get it either A, way cheaper on Amazon, or B, way better from, like, an actual tailor? Right. And in a way, like... I think small business still thrives for that reason. Right. Even though sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Exactly. So please always support local business if you can. Like, if if it is... If it's financially possible for you, if it is, um, you know, not too out of your way, always always do the small business before you go to the big box store. Anyway, speaking of things that, like, needed updating, um, this movie actually got a television series adaptation uh, pretty recently, uh, back in 2017-2018. 
And it was, it was, uh, the, the concept for it was bought by TV Land, of all fucking places. It was originally... the death of TV Land. We have seen the death of TV Land. You can't just put friends on TV Land. Fuck you. Um. Of course. <laughs> TV Land's not doing so hot right now. We gotta, we gotta do some syndicated friends reruns. Um. <laughs> as if it's Three. not everywhere. Three words I don't want to ever hear next to each other. Syndicated friends reruns. <laughs> Oh, buddy, I've got bad news for you. I hope you don't have cable. Um, nope, I don't. We've seen good. the death of cable. <laughs> oh, cable's not dead yet. There's still some holdouts on cable. It'll be dead. We'll, we'll see it. it. It's It's got its last death rattle going. Also, another thing, before I get back into this, um, we've also kind of witnessed, like, the death of, like, radio. Because have you listened to, like, radio commercials now? Because they are not even trying. No, they're really not. They're either really shitty corporate ads or, like, genuine good attempts at local business ads. Like... I can't remember what it was. It was like a McDonald's commercial, and it was pretty much like, Hey, I just got my strawberry milkshake. Do you got a straw for me? Yep. All right. McDonald's. What? Yeah. What is yeah. this? What kind of fucking... That's not commercial. Who? You, it, you know what? <laughs> like... I you, you just, like, what, what are you trying to remind me? That McDonald's has straws? Like, oh, shit. I'm out of fucking plastic straws that are destroying the universe. Um, I guess I'm gonna go to McDonald's. You know what else, though? And, uh, I'm not even going to get into that right now. We're, we're not even going to go there. <laughs> okay. No, anyway. we're not going to talk about the death of plastic. Okay, yeah, let's not do that. We are we are not the place for public discussion on uh, plastic usage. Anyway. Um, what do you think this is, Oakland, California? Jesus Christ. Um, so anyway, a, f a series adaption that was uh, workshopped as a anthology? Um was workshopped and bought by TV Land. And um, they produced it, got it all ready to go, and then um, a whole bunch of school shootings happened. Yeah. And Not so great. They uh, temporarily shelved it, and but it it premiered in a lot of, like, foreign markets. Um, and then they were set to premiere it um, in October of 2017 on the new Paramount Network. Mm. Um, and then Parkland happened. Again, not good. Not good, not great. Um, Especially considering this film and the way that it is and yeah. the characters involved, like, okay. Like, mm -uh. not good. Yeah, not not great for uh, ratings. Um, Probably would have been seen as a little tone deaf. I can see why they shelved it. Yeah. I can understand why. Um, It did eventually get a U.S. premiere on the Paramount Network Um, in October 2018 and premiered over five with um, it's sort of the back half of the series getting a major cut to the point where um there were there was an episode eight nine and ten that were all about an hour in length and uh they were all cut down to one episode Oof. yeah so substantial cuts very substantial cuts um a adaption of this that actually was somewhat successful and uh that i actually love was uh, heather's the musical which was staged off broadway oh boy here we go yeah, um, I actually, before I get into this, and I'm not going to talk about it for very long because I could do a whole podcast on this musical itself. I love it. I, I might love it more than I love the movie. But um, anyway, um, I actually unintentionally um, said when I was setting out the uh, movies we were going to do this month, every single one that we've done this month has either had a stage or musical adaptation. Interesting. Okay, so we're talking like um, Casablanca. Which was originally a stage play. Uh, Rocky, which has a musical. What? Not Rocky Horror Picture Show. That, that different no, 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 type no, 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 of no. musical. No, no, no. Rocky had a Broadway show that was horrible. 
Um, <laughs> okay. Is it worse than Escape to Margaritaville? Um, it it may be on the same wavelength. It might just be on the same wavelength. In a similar weight we class, need, we, if we, you will, take the boxing punch. Jesus Christ. Um, we we need we really need to talk about Escape to Margaritaville at some point. Um, we, maybe we'll find a bootleg and we'll do a live watch through of it. That would be fun. The only way to watch Escape to Margaritaville is on a bootleg copy. I completely agreed. Gotta live that pirate lifestyle. Gotta be gotta be that Jimmy Buffett. Gotta eat mozzarella sticks and take heroin um anyway (laughs) so uh john i i gave you some links to listen to some of the heather's broadway show um how did you feel about it um pain i felt pain i didn't like it (laughs) it was bad you didn't like it i mean like you thought it was bad why does it's not that it was bad it's just like you always say about andrew lloyd weber god bless him wherever he's at he's probably compressed like 200 cubic feet of his own fart gas into a little box and he just opens it and a pandora's box type situation happens i I don't i don't know he's just huffing his own fart like you he's just a regular dude writing regular music and you hate it because it's like oh yep that is music i i felt that way about this i'm like yep this is a musical this this is definitely a musical fair enough okay i guess i have more of a affection for it but um just just one quick fact about this that i think kind of ties two movies together that people seem to lump together um barrett wilbert weed who plays veronica in the broadway version the broadway adaptation also appears in mean girls the musical which people constantly say that like mean girls is like heather's light right i see why and i've heard that comparison made before yeah it's i mean it's it makes sense like the comparison is fair like mean girls is definitely um heathers with a lot lower stakes yeah yeah get in loser we're going shopping for a beretta model 21 all right so and to wrap this up um there was there is a very strange coincidence and um this is uh this this uh, fact might come hard to hear, so if you are sensitive to um, suicides or um, death in general, maybe just skip ahead to the end of the episode. Or just but, don't um, watch this episode or this movie if you are, because how? How did you yeah, end up um, here? Just just skip to the parts where uh, we talk about farts, because that's probably your favorite part anyway. Andrew um, Lloyd Webber. So... Andrew Lloyd Webber. Alright, so two of the cast members died at young ages in pretty ironic ways. Um, Jeremy Applegate, whose character Peter prays he will never commit suicide, shot himself on March 23rd, 2000 at the age of 34. Yikes. Yep, and to make make it even weirder kim walker whose character heather chandler asked did you have a brain tumor for breakfast died of a brain tumor on march 6 2001 at the age of 32 that is kind of wild dude the world is such a small place like coincidences like this are so strange like and it, it is a coincidence i don't believe there's any divine power in this i don't think that god hates this movie even though i guess if biblical god existed he would hate this movie but he hates everything um so you're never gonna to please him do heroin um yeah hot takes but fair <laughs> anyway um i think that's gonna about wrap this episode up so um heathers a movie for all ages um a movie for all times great movie even if john wasn't too crazy about it or his broadway adaption and he's crazy and don't listen to him um <laughs> so for for your information i'm zach and i'm john watch a new movie this week have a great day goodbye Hey everybody, it's John from For Your Information here with Zach. Now Zach, 
Um, are there any movies that I have seen that you have never seen? I'm sure there are, and I'm sure that um, they are interesting, to say the least. Uh, you've always had a very eclectic um, sense of film, <laughs> if I, yeah, if I yeah. can put to, it just lightly. To put it lightly, yeah, uh, to, to not harm me, to not hurt my feelings. Uh, well, th this month, we're going to be doing four movies that I have seen that Zach has not seen. So strap yourselves in, get ready for some new and interesting films, something that you probably haven't even heard of, or maybe you have and I'm just not all that weird and special. Uh, thanks. My parents made me feel that every day, and now here you are making me feel that too. <laughs> you're you're always gonna be my special boy, John. You're you're always gonna be my special little guy with your uh, with your niche movie interests. Uh, so, John, what are you going to fucking subject oh, me to? Oh, it's gonna be great. Uh, we're gonna come out the gate with a boy and his dog. Uh, speaking of, you know, black comedy, you know, just coming off of Heather's, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun time. Uh, robots, something a little bit different. Uh, we're gonna do Puppet Master, which I'm sure you've all been dying to hear about since we've talked about it a few times already, and Starship Troopers. Which you just now mentioned in this episode. Isn't it weird how of corporate course, synergy Of course, I love works? it. Alright, so all of that and much more to look forward to. Uh, John, any forewarnings you want to give the people? Any, th any soapbox Absolutely you want to get not. on? Absolutely not. Just uh, don't drink the yellow five food coloring. Uh, it makes your pee-pee small and it makes your brain big. Pee-pee small but brain big. <laughs> All right, so look forward to March Madness from Foyer Inflammation next month.